0: Amen. Isn't that a great story? It's so exciting just to see um, all the very many ways that God is at work among us, in us, through us. And, you know, one of the things that I hope that all of us are seeing throughout this 75th anniversary celebration is that God is always at work and that many times we don't see and we don't know in the moment what he is doing, but he is always at work. And he is always displaying his glory, and he's always uh, sharing his grace, and we can be so grateful for that. And you know, we have a, a real privilege today. I hope you enjoyed um, uh, that uh, that video. But uh, we have the privilege today to welcome, actually, to our service, Don and Richard Dwyer. They're right here, and if they would just stand for a uh, for a moment. And I, I do want to. Thank them uh, both for coming and sharing their story with us and also for the faithful service that they've given to God's kingdom you know, for over half of a century. So, so glad that you guys are, are with us today. Well, you want to get your Bibles out and uh, you want to get your Bibles turned on if that's uh, what you have uh, because we're going to study God's word today and God's word for us today is really very simple. Uh, we have been in our 75th anniversary celebration looking back and thinking about those 75 years of history. But today I want to call us to look ahead. I want to call us to look to the future and to think about making history ourselves. You know, every person makes history, every one of us, one way or another. The only question is, what kind? And the question for us today is, will we be a church that makes a lasting impact or not? The question for you is, will you be a person who only makes a kind of history that quickly fades away and is forgotten? Or will you be someone who is a part of making history that lasts, history that has an impact out into even eternity? I want us to see today, with those thoughts and questions in mind, is that the only way that we are true history makers is when we are people who devote ourselves to prayer. I want us to see how the Bible tells us that we must be a people of prayer. uh, We must be a community committed to prayer, people who are wearing their knees out in prayer because we know that God is our only hope. We must pray and we must pray with passion and we must never give up. You know when you read the Bible you see that God issues a lot of callings to his people. Here's one very important one it's in the book of Isaiah. God says this in Isaiah 56:7, "My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." God didn't say it should be called a house of programs or a house of activities or or personalities or maybe a lot of other things that could be Good things. He said, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You turn over to the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, and we are told there that after Jesus ascended, his followers gathered together in an upper room, and we are told that they constantly devoted themselves to prayer. And in response to that, God sends his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and the church just explodes. Acts 2, verses 42 and 43 say that the early Christians devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And the very next line says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. God says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And it's no wonder When we pray, we place ourselves in the jet stream of God's power. A church cannot be torn apart by dissension or by gossip or have a cold heart toward unbelievers if it is a church devoted to prayer. See, you'll never find a Christ follower who comes to the end of their life and says, well, I wish I hadn't devoted myself so much to prayer. See, prayer is where we encounter the living God. And God says my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations and I believe that's his calling for Southwinds. I believe God is calling this house, our house, your house, the house your life group meets in, the house where you live. God is calling his house to be a house of prayer for all nations and yet, Whenever we come to this topic of prayer, whenever we we think about our own personal prayer life, so many of us uh, are filled with discouragement or maybe with guilt. We don't feel like our, our prayer life measures up, and often we're kept from prayer by many false and misguided beliefs that often go way down deep into us, things like, I can't pray. I can't pray about my job or my family. That would be too selfish, or I can't pray because my motives are kind of divided. They're not 100% pure. Or I can't pray because my life, you know, it's not all lined up yet. I got some things I need to fix. Or I can't pray because it's been too long since I prayed and it would be kind of embarrassing to go pray and talk to God right now. Or maybe I can't pray because I'm not even sure prayer works. Sometimes, you know, I, I think things just, Happen. Sometimes I think God will just do whatever he wants to do, whether I pray or not, so what difference does it make? And We serve a God, and our God invites us into the adventure of prayer. We serve a God who tells us that if we will just devote ourselves to prayer, he will work in so many different incredible ways. I wanna direct your attention to a very important verse, Colossians four. Verse two, and we're going to be looking at several uh, other texts today. But we're going to start here, and we're going to end here. And uh, I want you to see what God is saying to us. You know, as we've been celebrating these last number of weeks, these seventy-five years that are our history, that that means that we are now technically in our seventy-sixth year, and we are moving into the future. And as we begin that next seventy-five years. I'm convinced that God wants to do some extraordinary things here at Southwinds. I think that this next year has the potential to be amazing. And that's why I think God wants to use these words that he's inspired in his word for our lives. Because in the year that is ahead, in the years that are beyond that, he wants us to make those years, all of them years that are devoted to prayer. And this is what Paul is saying in Colossians 4.2. He writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In fact, I'd like you, all of you, to read those words out loud with me. Would you join me in reading God's word? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Maybe you've noticed this. But there is no other area of life where the Bible encourages perseverance more than in the area of prayer. I, I think the Bible writers know that, that fallen people like us are apt to get discouraged, maybe distracted or guilty or, or, or bored sometimes and just give up. We, do, we just stop praying. And so constantly they are saying to us, whatever else you do, just make sure you pray just don't stop praying. In Luke chapter 18, verse one, Jesus is gonna tell a story. We, we know it as the story of the persistent widow, and this is how Luke introduces this story. He says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable. What was the reason of this parable? To show them that they should always pray and not give up. Turn back a few chapters to Luke 11, And Jesus is again telling stories. He tells the story of a persistent neighbor. He tells the story of a father who gives good gifts to his son. And it's the same message in both stories. Always pray, don't give up. Jesus kind of sums it up in verses nine through 13 by saying this, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Jesus is saying, devote yourselves to prayer. Always pray, never give up. Paul is actually showing us the same thing in the first chapter of Colossians. This is verse nine. And there's one phrase I want you to zero in on. Paul writes, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I haven't stopped, Paul says. I haven't given up, still praying. Just devote yourselves to prayer, that's what he's saying. Just don't give up. Paul also says um, in Colossians uh, one that he never stops praying for them and then in Colossians four, he asks the Colossians to pray for him. I want you to look again at that verse, uh, verse two, along with verses three through six, Colossians four, two through six. so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, when Paul is writing these words, maybe you know this, he's writing these words from a particular place and that particular place is prison. And I have a question I wanna put before you. If you were in prison and if you were asking people to pray for you, what do you think your number one prayer request that you would want them to pray would be? Get out of prison, right? Who votes for get out of prison number one prayer request if you're in prison? Like, like all of us, right? That's what I would wanna know. But you'll notice that Paul doesn't say anything about getting out of prison, does he? Paul wants them to pray that God would open doors. He says, ask God to open a door. Ask God to cause the gospel to spread. Just don't stop asking. And they didn't stop asking, the first century Christ followers, we read about them and we see that they ask and they ask and they ask and they didn't stop asking and God did it, God answered and the world was turned upside down. So there's a question for us, Southwinds, this morning. What if we were to spend the rest of this year, what if we were to spend all of next year Asking and asking and asking God to open doors and he did it. What if we spend 2023, the whole year, just asking God to spread the gospel through this place, through us, more powerfully than ever before and he did it. What if Every one of us, you, me, every one of us, we we prayed this prayer, God, let me proclaim the mystery of Christ in 2023. And that's just another way of saying, let me share Jesus with people. Let me tell the gospel to others. You know, we we have over 150 of you who have have put names up of our ones out on our Who's Your One prayer wall out in the lobby. Uh, What if... Every single one of us, not just 150, but all of us said, God, let me have at least one person who doesn't know you now come to faith through me and through my sharing of your good news in this next year. What if we prayed that? What if God did that? What if we gathered a year from now in hundreds of people? They walked through those doors And they not only did that, they walked through the door of faith and what if we get to the end of that year and we look at each other and we say, we just kept asking, we just kept praying. All year we kept praying and God did it. God answered our prayers. We are so grateful to be part of the work of God's kingdom. When you want to be part of a church like that, I mean, anybody wanna say amen about right now? I mean, we all, I think, want to do, be part of that, and we can, and I'm praying that we will. I mean, I believe God wants to do amazing things here in the days that are ahead, and so with that in mind, I want to today ask two big questions. They're why and how questions, and the first question is, is why do history makers devote themselves to prayer? Why is that so foundational? I mean, why would everything else we do not amount to much if we don't persist in prayer? And then second, how? How do we do that? So why and how, we'll we'll start with the why. Why do history makers pray? Why does the Bible make such a big deal about prayer? I just wanna give you two reasons this morning. The first one is this. You can write this down in the app if you're taking notes there. Prayer changes what is possible paul the apostle he really believed this staggering idea he really believed that prayer opens doors that would remain locked otherwise he really believed that prayer can make a timid witness to the gospel bold paul really believed that prayer can make a a vague presentation of jesus life and death and resurrection clear And so he says, pray, pray for this. I wanna show you something that you may have never seen before. I wanna show you how seriously the Bible takes prayer. And I wanna show you this from the very last book in the Bible, Revelation. This is chapter eight, verses one through four. And it's an amazing passage. If you read the context, you'll see we're finding here the story of the seven scrolls. The seals have been broken in these scrolls and they are They're telling the story of human sin and violence and and God's judgment on history and so on. And and then this remarkable thing happens in Revelation 8, one through four. This is what the apostle John writes. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Just silence. I mean, isn't that awkward? You guys are getting nervous, right? I mean, I was just thinking, what if I just stood up here silent for about half an hour? Some of you think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. You should try it sometime. We, we don't like silence, right? We, we, we don't like it. Some of you, if things get quiet, you think you have to fill it with words, and you should rethink that proposition, I, I think. We don't like silence, but think about this. Heaven goes silent. Verse 2 And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given a great quantity of incense to offer. And notice this with the prayer, the prayers of all the saints. On the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Now here's what the writer is talking about, just using a great deal of imagery. Usually we think of events on earth being interrupted because of actions taken in heaven, but in this scene, do you see it? It's the other way around. All of heaven comes to a standstill. The endless songs and praises and worship, worthy, worthy, worthy of all the heavenly hosts that have been chronicled in the earlier chapters of this book of Revelation. All of those praises are stopped. And why? So that, John says, the prayers of all the saints, people like you and and people like me, prayers like your prayers and my prayers, every one of them, all of those prayers can rise before God. He is telling us this, the prayers of God's people are heard, they matter, they interrupt heaven, and what happens on earth next, John is telling us, happens because God's people prayed. Now, I know some of us struggle with this. And we, we, we think, you know what, if, if God is sovereign and if he determines all things, like, well, why should I pray? I mean, you know, why should I pray? But, but the Bible makes it clear that God has sovereignly determined to work through prayer. That is his sovereign will, and so we pray. Because prayer changes what is possible. Here's a second reason that prayer is so important. You can write this down as well. Human history belongs to the intercessors. History belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe and who pray the future into being. History does not belong to the people we often think that it belongs to. And I want to say to you today this is a, a good reminder in a week after the election. History does not belong. To the politically powerful. It does not belong to the tech billionaires. It does not belong to the social elite. It does not belong to the armies or the corporations or the global media empires. The Bible says that history belongs to those who intercede before God. You know, the Bible says that interceding is, is what Jesus is doing right now. Romans 8, 34 says, Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also doing what? Interceding for us. You ever thought about this? His ministry on earth lasted three years. His intercessory ministry in heaven has been going on now for 2,000 years. History belongs to the intercessors and it's really important that we remember this because sometimes we get confused and sometimes we think it's only the visible stuff that matters. Sometimes we find ourselves thinking that a, that a church is built by human cleverness and human strength, maybe by hype, but the Bible says no, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, some of you, you know this and you're actually living this you pray faithfully. You pray persistently. And I'd like to, for a few moments, say a few words just to you. If this is you, I wanna remind you and, and everyone else who is here, we do not know how many people have walked through the doors of this church because you prayed. You know, at Southwinds, we, we have seen almost 14 Hundred people baptized over the last 20 years. We do not know at a baptism how many repentant sinners have trusted Christ and publicly professed their faith in Him. Why? Because you prayed. Maybe, maybe someone that you are, are praying for will be baptized. This next Sunday, at our next baptism, maybe, maybe you, you're the person that someone has been praying for, and maybe you, maybe you, you need to hear what God is saying to you. You need to obey that pull that you are feeling in your spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You need to do what God commands you to do and publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we don't know. We don't know how many tragic sins and how many mistakes have been avoided. We do not know how many people have been healed. We do not know how much destruction has been, has been straight, stayed away from. We do not know how much grace has been poured out because of your prayers. And we probably will never know on this side of eternity, but we do know this. The Bible tells us history belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe and pray the future into being. See, all of us are called to pray. There are no exceptions. Some of us have a special gift for prayer, intercessory prayer is one of the spiritual gifts talked about in the new testament and there are some of you here and you have it some of you here you you find a special delight in praying for others some of you have this ability to pray and to keep praying with great diligence until an answer comes i believe that one such person is listed in colossians 4 verse 12 this is the end of Paul's letter. And Paul is kind of running through this list of names. He's acknowledging people, giving thanks to people, uh, thanks for the ministries that they have done. And he talks about this one guy who's devoted to prayer. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature, mature, and fully assured. That's someone with the gift of intercessory prayer. And some of you, you, you often feel like this intense burden to pray. You, you find yourself sometimes praying for people you haven't even seen in years and you just look for opportunities to pray and when you find one, you just get after it. Some of you have this gift and maybe that gift that you have has never been called into blossoming yet. I am doing that now If you have this gift, use it. Pray, keep praying, never give up. You know, some of you you are going to have lives of unbelievable adventures in prayer. Things that are known just to a, a few people because God has gifted you for it and maybe today it's going to begin. Maybe it's going to start here now. So pay attention, listen to what God is saying. Now again, some of us have a gift, but we're all called to pray, every one of us. No exception, why? Because history belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe and pray the future into being, to those who devote themselves to praying, who pray, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's who history belongs to, and that's what we are to pray, and that's how we are to pray, and we are to never give up. So first, why do history makers pray? Those two reasons. But second, how history makers pray. And I want to mention three ways that we should pray if we want to make history. Here's the first one. When you pray, never forget who is listening to your prayers, Never forget who is listening to your prayers. When Paul says in verse two of chapter four in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That that word devote, the Greek word means to persist. It means to remain at something. It can sometimes be translated to cling to something. You just won't let go. It was used also sometimes of a, a boat that was continually available for service, continually available to be you so resolve that you will pray, and you will not give up, because Jesus is looking for prayers, prayers who will pray and who will not turn us be turned aside, people who will not be distracted, people who will work at prayer, who will say that prayer is of ultimate importance because they believe that prayer is what changes what is possible, that history belongs to the intercessors, but how? How do you do that? Well, one key conviction I believe that, that empowers devoted praying is confidence in the one you are praying to. In other words, he's our father. What I want you to think about right now is that you will only keep praying. You will only persist in praying, always praying and never giving up when you pray with the conviction that the one who is listening to your prayers is your father, That's part of why Jesus teaches us to pray like this. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, because God is our Father, because God is good, and when is God good? And all the time? You maybe remember, we talked about the goodness of God a couple of weeks ago. Because he is a good God, he is our good father, that means we can pray, always knowing that his plan for our lives is always, are always good. Those plans are always for our best. We can pray, always knowing that even when we don't see God doing what we wished he would do, we can know what he's doing is for our best for our good. See, knowing that we pray to a God who is our Father and who is good, it just empowers and strengthens us to persist in in prayer, to always pray, and to never give up. And so I want to encourage you, the next time you pray, don't just say, Father. Don't just open your prayer with Heavenly Father. Don't just use those words because that's the right way to pray. Say something maybe a little different. Maybe say, God, you are a good father. Start your prayer that way. Maybe, maybe say, God, you have been so good to me. Let me check real quick. How many of you, God, has been very good to you? Would you raise your hand? God has been so good to me. Just start your prayer like that. Maybe, maybe you say, God, I am trusting today that you are good. Or maybe you say, God, I'm so thankful that I know that you are listening to my prayers you see, when we know that God is our Father and when we know that He is good, when we know the one who's listening to our prayers, it empowers us and it strengthens us to pray always and never give up. Here's the second way history makers pray pray boldly. Pray boldly. Hebrews 4, uh, verses 14 through 16, it's just a great passage to encourage us in prayer. The writer says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. so pray boldly, but how how do we pray boldly? Well I want to start by telling you some things that it does not mean because I think people get confused in this sometime. To pray boldly does not mean you like tense up every muscle in your body and you just focus your mind and you try to like conjure up, conjure up confidence and certainty by just the force of your will even though you don't really feel certain. It's not about praying in a way that you sound really bold and certain when you don't feel like that. Maybe you remember that time a father came to Jesus and his son was sick and he prayed to Jesus. He said, Lord, if you can heal my son. And Jesus responded. He said, why do you say if? All things are possible to the one who believes. And, and the guy says, I, I, I believe. He said, help my unbelief. And part of bold praying sometimes is to pray those words, You know, to recognize sometimes all we can bring in the moment is I believe enough to come to you. That's what that guy was saying. All things are possible. I believe enough to come to you. My faith isn't perfect, Jesus. But that faith that comes to Jesus is bold enough. Praying boldly also doesn't mean using a loud voice. You ever been around somebody like that? They just think if you like pray with yelling, that means boldness. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that necessarily. It also, and this is very important, praying boldly doesn't mean you demand things from God. You know, there are people that teach that that if you're going to pray boldly, you tell God uh, what He is to do. And you know, I want to stop right here for a moment because I've said this before. I'll say it again. We need to all be reminded from time to time. And here's what I say there is a God, and He's not you. We do not tell God what to do. It also, praying boldly, doesn't mean you use some trick formula for prayer. Like a lot of people kind of teach that the key to real prayer is you have to use a certain phrase or you have to say things a certain way or you have to sound real confident or you, you, know, you have to pray in the grammatical form of demand, you know, telling God what to do. Here's the thing. Prayer is not about games, okay? God doesn't play games with prayer. So maybe you're saying, well, what does it mean to pray boldly? Well, let me give you several things. Bold praying means... You never let guilt stop you. You pray, and I want you to listen. You pray not because of how spiritual you are. You pray because we have a great high priest. Jesus has given us access to the Father. And Jesus tells us we can come at any time. So bold praying means that you ask God to do things that, humanly speaking, you, you would give up on. Bold praying means you persistently keep praying for that person who is farther from God in your life than anyone you know, and who's that for you? Who is that? I mean, is there anyone in your life and your honest thought for them is they'll never come to Christ. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, you need to think about that person and then you need to pray, God, 2022 is almost over. God, I'm asking you, I'm praying that you would bring this person to you by the end of 2023. You're praying and you're asking. You just see what God does. You don't give up. Bold prayer means praying for the healing of your most difficult relationship. What's that for you? always pray, never give up. Bold praying may involve praying for some need beyond your ability where you are just saying, God, I need you to do something here. I need, here's what it is. And God, I know I can't do it. I, I need you to do it. Will you be bold enough to pray like that? Let's get real practical right now. Will you be bold enough to write down one prayer request maybe that fits in to what I've just been talking about? Write it down right now and begin praying about it. Don't forget what you've just heard. Write it down. Begin praying boldly. Don't let guilt stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Always pray. Never give up. Come to God because you have a great high priest. Ask for great things. Even when you're torn by doubt, keep coming. Keep praying. Pray boldly. See, all of us, I think, can grow in praying boldly and you know, one important way for that to happen is to, to pray in community. There's just something that happens when we are praying with other people that encourages us and that strengthens us. And so one of the things I would say to you is you need to pray with your life group uh, one of the things I would tell you is that we're gonna be praying more and more together in the next year at Southwinds. We're gonna have some prayer gatherings outside of Sundays, and I just wanna encourage you when you hear about these things that you make it a priority to be there whenever you can. Pray boldly. Here's the third thing. We can devote ourselves to prayer when we third, ask God to open doors. Let's ask God to open doors for the spread of the gospel in this next year like never before. Just ask God to extend his grace. I want you to go back to Colossians 4 again. This is verses three through six. Paul says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I want to ask you uh, right now to be really honest with yourself, okay? Here's the question. How much of your praying is kingdom praying? And what I mean by that is how much of your praying is, is praying for the concerns of Christ's body and not just praying for your own life, your own personal concerns. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to pray for those things. God does want you to pray for your needs. But what I'm asking is that all you pray for. You just pray for yourself. You just pray for your family. Paul, Paul was devoted to praying for open doors for the gospel. And he wanted people to pray for him. He wanted them to pray. I mean, think about this. He wanted to pray for them to pray for him that he, an apostle, would proclaim the message clearly. You would think that wouldn't be a problem, right? But he asked for that. Paul says, conduct yourself wisely when you're with outsiders. Why? Because someday, maybe they won't be outsiders anymore. Someday, maybe they'll become insiders. All day long, you know, you live your life you are seeing people who are outsiders at your work, in your neighborhood, uh, where you shop, maybe where you go for your kids' sports or where you buy gas, or maybe at at your your favorite restaurant or maybe where your kids go to school, all these places, will you start praying, God, open a door? And then as you pray for open doors, will you pray, God, help me to respond? in those moments of opportunity. Paul says a very interesting thing in verse five. Maybe you noticed that he said, make the most of every opportunity. This word literally, opportunity, this word literally means time. It's a word for time. And um, the Greeks had a couple of words for time. One of them was the word chronos. We, we get our word chronology from that. That's just like clock time, another tick on the clock, another trip around the sun. But they had a second word for time, that's kairos, and that word kairos means a decisive moment. It means, it means an opportunity. It means a, a crossroads. It's like a defining moment. And kairos is this Greek word for defining moment. Kronos is the word for clock time. Kairos is the word Paul uses here. And what he's saying is this. There will be defining moments in the lives of people around you. Moments when, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe after years of hardness, in that moment, a heart softens and a door opens to the message of the gospel and to God himself. And how will you know that is happening if you are not staying connected to God through prayer? Are you willing to always pray to never give up? There's a man who's uh, famous, um, and some of you would have heard about him. His name is George Mueller. He, he, he lived in England. He lived in the 19th century, and he was famous because he ran this orphanage uh, that, that served thousands and thousands of, of kids. And he became very famous particularly because of all of the many times that God answered his prayers for that orphanage in so many amazing ways. And one day, somewhere around 1850, George Mueller committed to pray every day for five young men to be saved. Two of those five were uh, the sons of one of his best friends. He prayed for 18 months every day before the first one of those five came to Christ. That's a long time. That's like about 540 days. Let me just ask, how many of you have ever prayed 500 days every day without missing for the same thing, and you just kept praying before you got an answer? A year and a half. He wrote in his journal that he praised God for this one trusting Jesus, but there were four more left, and so he was going to keep praying. After another five years, so we're six and a half or so years in, the second man came to Christ, and George Mueller kept praying. After another six years, and so we're like over 12 years in, the third one came to Christ, but he kept praying. And then 36 years later, George Mueller is now a very old man. He writes in his journal right before he died in 1898 that those last two men, not young men anymore, those last two men were still unconverted and that he was not going to stop praying. He said, I continue to hope in God and pray on. And then he died. But just a couple of years after his death, the final two, the sons of his best friend that came to faith in Christ. George Mueller had been praying for those two men for almost half a century. See, he was taking very seriously what Jesus wanted to teach every single one of us to always pray, to never give up, and after years and decades of Kronos, there was a kairos. God moved. Now I know, I know that not every prayer story ends like this, not by a long shot. I know that some of you, many of you are sitting here today and you, you know the ache and the mystery of chronic unanswered prayer, unanswered prayer that sometimes, sometimes people, maybe like us, people even take with them to the grave. We never see the answers. I don't know why some prayers for great good, they just never turn out the way that we desire, the way that we're asking. But I do know that you and I have a choice and that choice is to pray or to give up. And you can give up if you want. Prayer is often hard. Prayer often can feel like a waste of time. And sometimes, yes, I'm gonna say it. I'm a pastor, I know. Sometimes prayer can be kind of boring but I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine getting to the end of your life. I want you to imagine looking at the people you love, your children, your family, your friends, your neighbors, maybe even your enemies. And I want you to imagine saying to yourself at the end of your life, I never really devoted myself to prayer. I was a real busy person and I, I did some good stuff in my life, but I never became a person of prayer. You can go down that road if you want to but imagine going down the other one. Imagine becoming one of the intercessors. Imagine one day standing in the presence of God. Imagine one day realizing that your persistence in prayer is part of the very fabric of eternity. Imagine discovering one day how grace was poured out, how lives were redeemed, how families were restored and healed, how even maybe cities were changed and you had a part because you prayed, just remember, the Bible says that prayer changes what is possible. The Bible says, just remember, that history belongs to the intercessors. Just remember that Jesus teaches us, his people, always pray, never give up. And so I wanna leave you Southwinds with this question. Will you pray? Will you begin praying during these last few weeks of 2022? And we're about to go on the holiday season. Will you not take a holiday from praying in the weeks ahead? And will you pray like you've never prayed before? Will you pray that God will pour out his blessings here on Sundays? Will you pray and ask him to just set us on fire in worship? Will you ask that God's word be taught with great clarity and great power? Will you ask that the people who follow Christ but haven't committed themselves to Christ's body, will just be convicted and compelled to become part of a family of faith? Will you ask that people all across Tracy and Mountain House and Lathrop and even beyond are finding community and fellowship in life groups? Will you ask God to save people that live on your streets and transform your neighborhoods? Will you ask God to change The spiritual landscape of this whole part of the valley, will you pray always and never give up? You see, if you will, if we will, I think that God is going to do some amazing things. So, Southwinds, let's devote ourselves to prayer. Let's be people of prayer who always pray, who never give up. This is God's word for God's people today. Will God's people now respond by saying amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's go before our Father and let's pray. You know, God, as your heads are bowed, God has spoken to us through his word and I am confident the Holy Spirit is speaking some specific things to each of us. And so I just want to call you to pray specifically about what he has said to you. Will you do that? Father, you are so good. And we come to you confident that you are good. Lord, we, we, we come to you and we just ask you that you would be gracious to us in our doubts. Lord, we ask that we would strength, that you would strengthen our faith in you. Lord, would you empower us to pray with boldness and with, with confidence to always pray and never give up. Lord, would you use our prayers to change history. Lord, we love you and we are so grateful to you for your goodness, all of your goodness to us. And we pray, trusting that as we pray, you will work, that as we pray, you will change history by changing lives, that as we pray, we will get the privilege of joining you in the work of your kingdom. We ask all of the prayers that have been lifted in these moments to you, Father. We ask them all in the name of Jesus, your son, our great Lord and Savior. We pray our prayers in his name and all God's people together say,